Hi and welcome to The Cloud Show. My name is Joe Back and with me is the talented, the tremendous, and my trusted co-host, David Organ. Thank you. Hello. In this show, we will take some of the key news that is hot around technology, especially in the cloud industry, and lift the lid to take a peek inside. Yeah, so we'll also take a look at a specific area for each episode, and this week is no different. And we're going to have a lively, in fact, I'm expecting a bit of a sparky debate around the world of multi-cloud, or you could even call it the great multi-cloud debates. But before we start, we would love uh, for you to get involved. Please do take talk to us on social media. It would be great to hear your opinions. We're on Twitter with the handle at Disruptive Live, and please do use the hashtag The Cloud Show. Yeah, so come on, let's go with the show. Uh, I think we've got uh, quite a big debate coming up, so it's going to be one bit of news this week, David. What have you dregged from, from uh, the dregs of humanity? Right, well, come this on. is uh, an interesting one and very topical for today's show. Uh, the US Department of Defense have a cloud computing contract that's coming under fire. Ooh. Now, um, essentially, the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, get this, JEDI, uh, cloud contract reference. is a single in, indefinite uh, delivery, indefinite uh, quantity contract that could be worth billions of dollars over the next decade. Um, and it represents the first major step towards the cloud-based future for the department. Unfortunately, the JEDI has drawn accusations on the way the contract has been formulated. Its detra detractors say that only Amazon and Google can truly uh, compete for the work. Uh, now, in addition, the decision to formulate it as a series of options has some arguing the winner of the contract will have a de facto stranglehold on the Pentagon's cloud computing structure in perpetuity. Skeptics have argued that if the Defense Department selects a single cloud operator, it is unlikely to select a different system down the road due to challenges of having multiple systems connect making the Jedi a de facto monopoly for years, if not decades to come. So, good bit of news. I think it's time to get their guests on to give their opinions on it. So let me introduce the guests. First of all, to my left, I've got Steve Chambers, the Chief Operating Officer of CloudSoft. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, can you just give us a quick blast about what does CloudSoft do just before we get into the news? Absolutely. Well, we specialize in migrating, running, and evolving applications specifically on AWS as the leader. Uh, we've got some software that actually does multi-cloud, but we choose not to use it that way, and I can explain in the debate. And this could, might be a bit relevant to this news uh, article as well. Yeah. Also, we've got Bill Mew, also uh, someone who's a bit of a favorite on this channel as well, so he's been here before. Welcome, Bill, from Mew, Mew Era Consulting. How are things going for you? Uh, very busy at the moment. I'm doing a lot of campaigning around privacy. Uh, you may have noticed that uh, privacy issues have been somewhat in the news of late. Uh, also doing a great deal of evangelism as ever across the whole technology spectrum, but in particular in, uh, of course, your favourite topic here on the show, the topic of cloud. So, okay, so let's get to this news item. Right, we've got the Department of Defence pushing out a contract which is indefinite in time, quantity, controls, cost, or at least that's the way how it's being very much presented to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. What's your take, Steve? So I think, I think it makes total sense to reduce the amount of clouds they're going to use. If I was them, I'd try and do it on one, because I'm sure they've got a lot to do. 
go deep on one cloud, get a lot of value. What worries me is this in perpetuity thing because you've seen how much innovation happens in clouds. You've seen how Azure have been chasing, Google have been chasing, and you don't know what the next three, four, five years are gonna look like. So I think on the one side, it's good, go deep on one cloud, but on the other hand, keep an eye on the future, right? keep your options open. Okay, Bill, come on, what's your take? Well, it's interesting, and we're going to be watching this one with uh, great interest from this side of the Atlantic, because um, it will put, put position one company, and there is a, a bit of a leader in many people's views at this moment in time, uh, in a, an enormously strong position. But none of the companies that are currently pitching over there are necessarily interested in doing the same thing here in the UK. Um, although I think there is enormous amount to be had from uh, the UK Defence Forces and our security services actually moving to a common cloud platform because much of what they're doing in this country is disparate and there are a couple of companies including uh, a company I'm associated with, uh, UK Cloud, who are actually looking to develop uh, platforms on that kind for the security services. Uh, so I think yes, cloud is the way forward. Um, but I think that actually we need to look at the safeguards. There are, have been mistakes made in the past when uh, uh, very large uh, monopoly suppliers almost owned government technology, and I don't think we want to go down that route well, again. So yeah, that's where I was going to go, because if you cast your mind back to, to the early 2000s when, when it was on vogue to basically outsource everything mm -hmm. to, you know, to a single organisation, and we seem to have learned the lessons from that, um, you know, is this just history repeating itself? I think there's a, an element of that, um, and it depends on to what, the, what extent they're putting in safeguards. And, and much of the argument in the US at the moment is the lack of safeguards and the indeterminate nature of the contract. Um, there are open technologies and open standards, and uh, uh, there is a container technology that is very hot at the moment called Kubernetes, which could be used as a standard that could be the basis for a lot of this, which would provide a level of portability without any sort of lock-in. Do they go down that route? They haven't chosen to. Should we do that when we do, uh, do some sort of definition in this country? Maybe that's something we need to think about. I think it's a matter of perspective as well, though. If you look at something like uh, the shared responsibility model in the cloud, where the cloud provider does this layer down there, and you're responsible for security availability on top of that. In the olden days, when we were younger, Jez, um, that old my mess for less outsourcing yeah. business, they did everything, right? And it, that was a stranglehold. I think this is a little bit different. This is, we're going to use you in this kind of shared responsibility model and consume you as required. And not just compute infrastructure, you know, the storage, that's the same old thing we've been doing for years. If you look at modern cloud providers, they have a lot of higher order services like data, managed databases. That's what the government should be going after because it, it just takes away all the difficulties. To play devil's advocate for a second, the uh, indeterminate nature of the contract, are they trying to preempt or address some of the issues that we've talked about on previous shows? about getting everybody to essentially buy services from one provider within your organization, rather than having different departments going to different vendors willy-nilly and losing all uh, financial control over budgets and what's going on at the top level. I think it's a great point. If you look at G Cloud, and Bill's already made this point, there are disparate consumptions of cloud. Mm. And in fact, let's be honest, if you look at G Cloud in the UK, departments have been buying the old way. You know, we've been talking about buy from SMEs, buy British, buy... Still American companies, still big contracts. It's yeah. not really changed. I, well, I think that's a really good segue, actually, to move on to the, the big debate itself, you know, the multi-cloud debate. You know, multi-cloud, fallacy or fact, flawed or first choice for organisations. I, I think it's important we do a bit of a level set here. First of all, I think we all have to accept that, that we all do a form of multi-cloud. You know, on an individual level, we consume several cloud services in isolation. 
for example, on your phone, but also you know, when you look at organizations that they use multiple different services, but they're not necessarily connected together. But that's not the point of the discussion. The point of the debate is whether it's realistic for organizations to run on two or more cloud services to do a, a business process or a set of workloads. Uh, and you can put arguments for and against it. And, and the argument against multi-cloud is that no one can really agree in the tech industry as to what it is. You know, organizations struggle with the mastery of just a single cloud provider, you know, so how can they do it for many? I mean, it's basically impossible to consolidate and manage multiple cloud costs onto that single famed, you know, single pane of glass. And the cost and effort of managing the, the multiple clouds can be really unproductive. But then again, you can put the argument for multi-cloud. Yeah, it's about using the right tool for the right job. You're using the best athletes. It can allow you to use the, the, the market for the, what your business actually wants to do and leverage the best parts of it. Yet it also means that multi-cloud can offer you low latency by having all your cloud services you know, located into one space or you know, local, locally into a single space. Yet it also allows data to be transferred across different platforms much easier and much quickly. And it's about flexibility. It allows organizations to leverage the relative advantages of the price points and the geographic locations of those solutions that are being on, on offer. But which one is right, if at all? So here we go. Yeah. How do you define multi-cloud, first of all, Steve? And then you know, do you think it exists at all? Or you know, where, where are you at? I think what I'm going after, what really um, you know, drives me crazy, it's, it's the marketing department of uh, legacy vendors that have switched from hybrid cloud now to multi-cloud is their next thing they're gonna chase, right? And what they mean is many clouds connected through one control plane, that's what they mean. And they wanna hitch whatever their latest thing is to whatever the leading cloud is, right? That's kind of what the, so you know, if you're using um, Amazon on its own, that's so one team's using Amazon, another team's using Azure, they never speak to each other and they're quite happy, I think that's great. Because that, that, that's, that's not multi-cloud in this sense, right? Multi-cloud is, the way I describe multi-cloud, and we'll get into it about how hard it is, but I describe it as like hitting your face, yourself in the face with a hammer, right? <laughs> and you get a headache, and then this multi-cloud vendor comes along and says, hey, I've got something for that, take a headache pill. That's not the answer, the answer is to stop hitting your face with a hammer, right? <laughs> so there are a lot of difficulties with multi-cloud. I think people gloss over them, very few people are doing them well. I think there are niche examples of doing it, but the vast, vast majority of companies in the UK, I would say 10,000 headcount in a company and less, shouldn't be doing it. Bill, come on, over to you. Well, I, I think there's a, a, a real world and there's an idealized world. In an idealized world, you, there are uh, platforms where you can take an advantage of going deep into a particular technology and benefiting from the integration that provides. Many of us are Apple users and I've got some pre people who are complete Apple fanboys and they'll have an Apple phone and they'll have an Apple laptop and they'll have everything they're going from a particular platform. <laughs> and they'll be, I take advantage of the fact that they all work really well together. What we're talking about here is actually the real world where not everybody wants to buy everything from the same and not everyone wants to be defined by that particularly closed environment. Um, and the choice is very similar in the real world of business and technology. The problem is that 
coming afresh to it as a greenfield side or a startup, you've got the choice of which direction to go in. Most companies and most organisations simply don't have that choice. The real environment that they're coming from and the starting point that they have is they have a whole breadth of different technologies, a truly heterogeneous environment. They may have laptops, they may have servers, they may have different cloud providers, they may have different hosting arrangements. They could even have a mainframe, some of them, depending on the size of the organisation. Um, and therefore, we're talking about, in the real world, a whole hodgepodge of different environments. And you need to about think about moving some of those forward into different cloud environments and making steps towards a really managed environment. So we're talking about multi-cloud, where you're actually to look at the different workloads, their different uh, original origin, their end, uh, end point, and what you want to achieve with each. And actually providing a, a management plane that brings that together to get the best of all worlds. Yeah, so I think there's a, a, the driving point here is, I think there's an acceptance of pragmatism that organizations will, you know, we've covered this on previous shows about, you know, when we talked about IT debt, mm. is that you'll be always be carrying a level of debt, no matter what's happening, it's, you know, it's about well, how much you can tolerate. So for larger organizations, as they are adopting stuff, and you have people who are doing shadow IT, you had experiments, you had skunk works things, you end up having multiple different cloud service providers doing bunches of different things. And then people kind of get used to it and you skill up and you know that's that's where things lie. So I think there is a pragmatism about this that we can be really evangelical and say, look guys, multi-cloud is no absolutely verboten. You know, we go along with a forester prediction of saying, you know, cloud vendor lock-in and you go for a single and you get mastery of that. I get that. But actually I think there's a journey towards achieving a more controlled and balanced cloud environment for the way how you deliver your technology and your, your services. You, you say that, but um, you know, I think I, I pity the poor leadership who are non-technical and they're paying the checks for this stuff mm. because I don't think people actually know the true cost of it. Um, it is complicated. You know, I've worked with companies from small startups to the size of the UN and they've all got a similar problem. Um, they're all busy doing other things. You know, they have a top 10 list of things they can do this week and often billing and operations and all that boring stuff that's unglamorous doesn't get done. The classic, I think, statistic I saw recently, I've certainly seen an average of 20% waste in any cloud I've seen in any company. Apparently the average is 40%. And I'm starting to get deja vu here. This is like the virtualization days, you know? There was the great consolidation, the great virtualization movement that happened a long time ago. I just think there should be a great cloud consolidation as well. And, you know, I, I sometimes feel like the, the tech tail is wagging the business dog, you know, saying we need to do it for all these reasons. And I think sometimes the leadership who are paying the checks are bamboozled by it. You know, and it's like simplify it for the business. Well, so I mean, this links back to the cloud economics episode we, we recently just did, where trying to get a, a story together that's meaningful to businesses about how they do their cloud spend is really, really tough. And you, you now see the rise of, of certain types of consultants who all they do is help organizations work out their cloud bill mm. and get the go and actually start not finding like marginal gain efficiencies, but huge efficiencies as a result. Yeah, but I, I don't think we need to get away from the fact that, yes, there is a level of pragmatism that needs to be uh, uh, applied here, but also a level of realism. I mean, it is very definitely the fact that most organizations come from a heterogeneous point, and you need to look at where they're going. Um, and obviously, we're talking, if we're talking about a single cloud, you're typically talking about one of the uh, public cloud vendors. Um, and not everything is suited to those environments. 
Um, uh, and typically, if you want to go cloud native and make the very most of those, that's a great direction to go in. Again, if you're a startup and that's all you're, all you're going to be doing and you don't have this sort of uh, IT debt or, or, or legacy overhead. Um, the, the reality here is that most people do, uh, and therefore, if you do have some virtualized workloads that you can move into uh, a VMware or other such similar web environment, then yes, that's moving stuff to the cloud. That is a positive move forward, and possibly you can look to re-engineer uh, uh, some of those to take those applications cloud native at some point in the future. But that isn't going to happen right now. That's simply not realistic. Um, on top of that, if you're going to be going to the, these cloud-native environments, uh, you need to be able to make the most of the, the, the different trade-offs between those uh, different platforms. And some have strengths and others uh, are, have other strengths. Um, and also, you need to think of some of the outliers here. You have a, possibly a, a marketing cloud that's on, on some Oracle marketing environment. You have a Salesforce cloud. And some people may see these as peripheral, but you possibly need to, a level of integration with those uh, different environments as, as well. So you need to accept, we are talking Just look at the rise of the cloud integrators. I mean, you know, Salesforce buying out Mule was a, a classic example of, yeah, there's a recognition that the cloud integrators is, is there is a rise happening there. How, how is this different looking at technology coming in cycles of the wave of middleware developers when things were still hosted inside your data center? It was all about middleware. They knew that businesses had different line of business applications and the data had to flow between them. Mm -hmm. And they had massive challenges then, like we do now. Is yeah. there any difference? I don't know. I mean, I know some people have got a good way of looking at many clouds as each cloud is like an operating system and it's got its own API, yeah. and you bind your application to that cloud, you know, and you take advantage of all the security, billing, network. You know, at CloudSoft, we use a piece of software called Apache J Clouds, which basically allows you to deploy an app to any cloud where it can interact with the interface. Very technical, I know, but what it, what it basically, when you do that for a living, you realize how different these clouds are, and you have to go back to the business and say, yes, we can get your application to write to three different clouds. It's going to cost you half a million pounds. Do you still want to do it? Because if I was the VP of sales in that business, who I'd be like, hang on a minute, I could sell that, I could use that for marketing, I could, yeah. I could buy another business, I, you know. So, I, so you know, Bill mentions a real world. I think that's a real world for me. Why, why would we spend all this money on this extra fat and cloud love handles that you don't need if you just focus? get the job done on one, pick but, a really good one. But also in the real world, we have technology that is moving on a pace. And mm -hmm. what is achievable now and what will be achievable in the future is going to be that much more than what was in the past. And a great example of this has been the big move towards what they call container technologies. And Kubernetes is the leading technology in this particular environment. And Kubernetes will run on almost all the different clouds. Most of the major clouds out there have a Kubernetes management system. And in order to help uh, um, uh, manage those, you can have uh, federated Kubernetes clusters where you can have uh, a cluster spanning more than one different cloud platform and managed centrally. And it can actually reach into the individual database layers and, and all the different technologies within that environment. And on top of that, you have the open service broker. So this is an open standards broker that is actually making it far more feasible to do what uh, in the past was very, very difficult so, to so achieve. So isn't the angle here then, but basically multi-cloud is only possible if you've got skills? And money, lots of it. So yeah, I mean, so, so I'll, I'll kind of throw that out there where, where actually for people to be successful to run multi-cloud, they need to have a huge depth of skill, which it, 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 you, even in the city, 
it's hard it's to struggle I think actually the skills overhead is going to diminish because it take containers and originally containers were Linux only and if you had wanted to take uh, micro, Microsoft or uh, OS um, which are mainframe workloads to the cloud you actually had to do some really complex uh, work around the seams but the, the reality now is that containers can hold almost any different operating system and things have moved on. And the same is happening with the way that containers are managed and a lot of the management platforms that are actually providing that single pane and that manageability. Things are moving on so much uh, quicker now that because technologies such as Kubernetes are, are so widely uh, are available on so many different platforms, if you have a team who are skilled in Kubernetes, they can develop applications to Kubernetes and they can take them from platform to platform to platform. And actually that is overcoming many of the challenges that people currently see in multi-cloud, which is actually going to be easier and easier as we go forward as the open service broker as Kubernetes and Federation this, this is exactly the point I made on a number of shows mm. where I keep on saying that IT infrastructure is going to become the next dark art like networks is. So mm. there you go. Well, I feel like I'm sort of as it's Sundar Pichai from Google here, you know. <laughs> yeah. he, just, he just said recently, you know, um, Kubernetes, uh, it's going to be the new standard. And I thought that's a very Silicon Valley view of the world, mm. right? It really is. Because on my travels around the UK, I find people are still getting to grips with cloud. Depends what type of company you're talking about. And we talk to companies from like 20 headcount up to about 1,000. That's our kind of sweet spot at the moment at Cloudsoft. And then we deal with tier one banks and global SIs who've got a totally different set of problems. Very heterogeneous, as you say. Mm. But um, I'll say one thing. that Kubernetes, you're making it sound like it greases the wheels of multi-cloud. And I think that's a really bad thing. Because if I think back, and again, it's echoes of virtualization. Mm. 14 years, unfortunately, when I was at VMware and we were getting virtualization in, we were effectively, and it sounds terrible to say this, but we're going to companies and saying, you don't need that team anymore managing 10 different operating systems because it's just one virtual platform. So they can be redeployed somewhere else. You don't need them because they're going to be redeployed. And, you know, if you have, let's say um, a big company had, let's say five clouds, let's make it really multi-cloud, somehow of putting all the billing together, which is hard for one organization, doing the cost savings for one, it's hard. The security models are different. The APIs are different. The networks are different. All that stuff outside of the containers, the higher order services like databases as a service, they're different. So while you can, yeah, you can move your container across, that's great. But it, it's just not, to connect it into everything else, it's, it's just a huge challenge. But I think you're mistaking the, the, my, my argument here. I think, actually, I was arguing earlier that we have heterogeneous environments and therefore you need to move these workloads. I'm not arguing at all that we throw everything into Kubernetes straight away or uh, immediately. Um, one of the things that we need to do is to have the pragmatic approach where you take virtualized workloads, you take them into virtualized environments in the cloud. You probably have a, a big Oracle estate. You may want to put that into an Oracle cloud. You may have a, a Microsoft state that works best in a Microsoft cloud. And actually, those are the environments in which those particular types of workloads actually operate best. You then need to think about how you're going to string these together and as you're going to develop new applications, which platforms you're going to develop future applications on. And there are many, many people focused on containers and typically Kubernetes as the platform for development for future apps and the direction things are going. But that's, that's a key point, isn't it? Because yeah. applications really do have to be developed for containers and microservices. Re-engineering existing applications is tough. So if it we is, if but it's starting to take off, it's five percent of all um, virtual machine migrations, according to Forrester. Um, 
and it's growing and growing and growing. In fact, there's a middle step between migrating and, re and refactoring, as we call it, is this replatforming, which is something you get there. But just one point Bill made, which I think is really important. If you think about these more complex organizations, you have these silos, you have the Oracle people, you have the Windows people, the Linux people. There's, there's a false bit of thinking here in IT. If I'm Oracle, I'll go on Oracle Cloud. If I do Windows, I'll go on Azure. And if I do Linux and other things, I'll go on Amazon. Completely wrong. You can do all of those things really well on Amazon today. That's what I would recommend. It's a bit like in the old days, going virtualizing data centers. If it's beige, get rid of it. You know, it's, you can do that stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, screen, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I had a gentleman Green speak blue. to me recently saying, I don't like Redshift. I'm going to go and do it all on the new Oracle. And I was like, there's a lot more to it than just the fine tuning of the database. You know? Right, okay. So that's all been pretty serious. We've got to call it a halt there. We're going to run out of time. But before we wrap it up, it's time for the world famous cloud show sci-fi quiz. Now, Still, nobody yet has won and got the answer correct to the challenge to get a Amazon Echo from me. Quite simply, if you could answer the question, what is the name of the barman and landlord of the Moss Eisley Cantina in Star Wars canon? So if, if you know that answer, tweet in, use the hashtag The Cloud Show, and you can win yourself an Amazon Echo. However, five questions for these mm -hmm. two gentlemen here. Whoever, you know, if you think you got the answer, shout it out first. The highest score so far is four out of five by Stuart Evers, the Chief Commercial Officer of Turk Telecom International. So, here we go. A robot may not injure a human being through inaction. Allow a human being to come to harm is the first law of what? Um, was it, it was one of the um, uh, prophecies of Turing or, or one of the things that did an AI law, or, or was it, no, actually, what about, what's the film with Will Smith? <laughs> yeah, iRobot. 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 Yeah, it wasn't Will Smith. It wasn't Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> the law of Will Smith. Do we pass it over? No, give him. No, it's the first law of robotics by Isaac Asimov. Isaac oh. Asimov. Oh, seriously. Okay, you're a reading man, you should get this one. Consider Phlebas, Accession, and the Hydrogen Sonata are books by which author? Definitely don't know. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, That's dear. Guys, we're not doing we're well here. We're serious people, you know? serious people. That was Ian M. Banks. <laughs> oh, see. Okay. Trashy American movie time. What was the only American city nuked by US forces in the film Independence Day? I don't watch films like that. There, there, is, there is a clue of Apollo 13. I'll give you that clue. He has a problem. Houston! Hey. There you go. Houston, we, we have a problem. There we go. Brilliant. Okay, now, what material is bonded to Wolverine's bones in the X-Men films? Come on. Uh, come on. Come adamantium? on. Adamantium? Yay! 2 Oh, Can you get some, uh, some, some, some sort of... Face back off. I'm that. actually quite proud not knowing any of these. I'm well, embarrassed with my geekdom that I've got too. No, 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 <laughs> so, look, I just want to quickly wrap up the show there. So, first of all, I think we can agree that the great multi cloud debate is going to rage on, yep. not just uh, in this room after the show's over, but also yeah, within, within the general technology world setting. The reality is, is actually go and speak to some people who can come and help you. When it comes down to things like containers and services like Kubernetes, they do bring advantages, but they're not necessarily the right answer for everything. And there is a very good argument for using the best athletes, the right tool for the right job, but also there is one about focusing your effort to improve your skills 
in your organization towards going to a single cloud vendor option. Dutz, we'd like to hear what you've got to say on it. So do get in touch. Please use the hashtag the cloud show. We're on the handles at Disruptive Live and at Compare the Cloud. And that's been rather really fun. We'd love to hear from you. What do you think there, Dave? I think it was a very lively debate. And you, we're probably going to have to rerun something similar because there are a lot of hot topics brought yes. up on today's show mm -hmm. that we could probably go into in a lot more detail. Absolutely. All kinds of things. Steve, thank it's you very much. Bill, thank, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. And guys, thanks so much for watching, if indeed you still are. <laughs>